The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you feel that you're losing the battle with looking and feeling your best? Stop! Welcome to Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. Your body has an outstanding ability to heal itself and stay healthy. It's up to you to get the process started. Now, here's the show. Hello, welcome to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy Hewitt, the nutritional therapist. And I'm Madeline Hewitt. And I'm Jeannie Schmidt, PharmD, and welcome to our show today. And we just have such a great time doing this radio show. And one of the things I really like about it is once we do our show on the Fridays, that um, Saturday is a real busy day here in the studio, and so is Sunday, actually. And we have a number of clients come in that were listening to the show, and they're already starting to institute some of these things we're talking about. And last week, we had talked about the gelatin. And I just love hearing people's stories of what they're trying and what they're doing and what's working for them and and even what they like on the radio show and um, it's just it's really fun and it's exciting for us to do and we hope that you like it as much as we really enjoy doing it and we hope that everybody is really getting the idea that your body is just completely connected and that you cannot change a part of your body like this would be an example, such as create inflammation in your gut from eating foods that you react to. So say that you react to tomatoes and that creates inflammation. Um, That is absolutely going to affect every other system in your body. And you can't wear down your adrenal glands without it affecting every other part of your body. And you cannot experience excessive internal and external stress without it affecting every single cell in your body. And in the case of stress, it affects your ability to mobilize and burn fat. That excess of stress affects how and where you store your body fat. It affects your ability to build muscle and maintain the muscle that you already have. And excessive stress depresses your immune system, making you more vulnerable to getting sick and maybe also to even getting cancer. Excessive stress pushes your brain chemistry toward the excitatory neurotransmitter glutamate instead of the calming GABA. So we've talked about that in some past radio shows that in your brain, you have these, you have a whole lot of things going on, but one of them is that you've got these two different pathways that your brain can go more towards glutamate, which is excitatory, or more towards GABA. And ideally, a healthy person would have some of both. But when you have excessive stress, more of it goes towards the glutamate. And then, so then you experience more anxiety and maybe difficulty sleeping. And not only that, but excessive stress also leads towards depression, toward building more bad bacteria in the gut. It leads to leaky gut and even leaky brain. And the excess stress puts such a priority on making stress hormones that it distorts and diminishes the production of your sex hormones. 
And not least here, excessive stress depletes your magnesium and other minerals. And that's not even all the things that excessive stress does, but it's a long list just to illustrate the impact of one change in your body that added stress and how much it changes and affects other parts of your body, including your mood. So that was just an example of one thing that you change. Oh, I have excessive stress, and it could be from anything, outside stress or inside stress in your body. And that whole list of things I just listed off, that was even just a partial list of how just one change, excessive stress, is going to affect all these other systems in your body. It even affects your mood. Now, if it was your thyroid that was not working in top form, every single cell in your body is also affected. Now, we find people bring this up all the time, thinking that their body operates in a compartmentalized fashion. For instance, we know of one person, she gets a rash on her arms when she eats gluten. It's kind of like this red prickly rash all over her arms. And so for her, she decides that if she's going to be wearing long sleeves or nobody can see the rash, then she goes ahead and has gluten for that day because her arms are covered up. But unfortunately, she's not understanding that if the gluten is creating a skin rash, it's also creating other trouble inside of her body where she can't see it and probably not even feel it either. Now, that would most likely be the gut lining, inflammation of the brain, inflammation of arterial wall, and the joints, and other areas in the body as well. And now, this even happens with people's thoughts. Know that our thoughts actually create a physical reality. And when we think certain things, it sets up an energy field which promotes physical changes coming later. In fact, research has even shown that your thoughts even affect the DNA in your gut bacteria. So here we see that it really matters what you think about. It matters who your friends are, it matters how you choose to spend your time, and it matters what you decide to put in your mouth and how you decide to move your body. Everything is connected. Now, our topic today is the skin. It's a great topic when the weather gets nice and we have more skin out. And maybe we're suntanning or maybe we're slathering ourselves with sunscreen, Most people want their skin to look good, free from rashes, bumps, itching, redness, and acne. And what's so important to note is that the quality of your skin reflects what's going on inside of your body. The two are connected, just as we've been talking about. So assume that when you have a skin issue, something is also going on inside of your body too. So even if you think you can tolerate the skin issue, like say you go, well, it's just some itchiness, I'll just put some cream on it. It's really far worth addressing because of the implications inside. So we're going to just start, go ahead and start our discussion today talking about the skin-gut connection. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I do want to say today we are taking callers again. If you'd like to give us a call, call us at one 472 Or if you're listening to the replay or even if you're listening live, you can always post on Facebook on the Body Balance Nutrition Facebook page and we'll answer your questions. We also like to hear from you and that's sometimes where we get ideas for our next show. So 
what do you know? Maybe one of your topics will be featured one day. Um, but let's jump into the topic of skin. And like Jeannie said, many people might just think that skin troubles like the acne or the rashes is, are just an aesthetic issue. But really, they're a sign of a deeper systemic issue. And usually one of the biggest reasons for these skin issues is poor gut health. And poor gut health stems from diet and lifestyle. Yeah, we've talked about gut health a whole lot in the past. Absolutely, yes. So there are multiple flat factors really that can impact your skin health. The diet. So are you eating sugar or grains? And do you eat damaged or rancid or inflammatory fats? Avoiding all of these things and instead focusing on lots of veggies and good quality fats will improve your skin dramatically. That might be one of the biggest things that will impact your skin. Yeah, that's interesting, Lucy, that you're bringing that up because you're talking about skin issues and then you're bringing up what somebody's eating. And I'm Mm -hmm. thinking that that's not really the common thought. I'm thinking that, you know, you walk into the aisle of the drugstore and then you see all of these products for your skin and it kind of gives you an idea of people's, um, you know, their self-image and society's idea of beauty with all of these skincare products. And this is very different from what you're talking about. You're not, it sounds like you're not saying, you know, we're talking about skin today. And so we're, if you get these certain creams, creams, yep. yeah, that it's not necessarily creams and not that nobody should ever use creams, but it sounds like you're really taking this approach that your skin is reflecting what's going on inside. And so we really have to look at what we're eating. Yep, that's right. Yes. And people who are listening, you might have heard people talking about if you eat greasy food, then you're going to get acne and you're going to have greasy skin. We're not necessarily talking about that specific thing. Eating well, then gre- that would be that's kind of like the same idea of when you think that if you just eat a lot of fat, it lands in your arteries and it clogs your arteries and then you get a heart attack. I think that that's kind of a thought people think if you eat greasy food, then you get greasy skin. And Mm -hmm. even though it sounds like food really, really affects your skin big time, it's not that the food that you eat is going to just start being excreted on your skin. Right. And it kind of seems like it would, like common sense makes it seem like it would. But Jeannie, you're right. That's not how it works. Yeah, we would have really, really greasy skin because we eat a lot of (laughs) coconut oil, a lot of olive oil, and we eat a lot of pasture butter. And if you look at people around here, most people here in the studio that eat like that have really beautiful glowing skin and it's not at all greasy. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about how food affects your skin, it's more of what the interactions are happening inside and then whatever happens inside. For example, if you have food sensitivities, that's going to create an immune response. And that immune response is happening inside your body, in your intestines, but then it shows up as inflammation in your skin as well. Or if you're eating certain foods that feed the bad bacteria, having bad bacteria creates a a large amount of problems and that can show up as skin issues. 
So let's start by talking about sugar and how sugar and grains can affect your skin health. This is one of the most important steps that you can take. You'll want to remove sugar from your diet. And when we talk about sugar, we're talking about, of course, the sugar in candy and pop and pastries, but also from grains and excess fruits. So grains is a big one as well. You can't just eliminate all of the sugar and, ex- and continue to eat grains and expect that your skin is going to improve. It's not until you eliminate both of these that you'll see big differences if you already notice skin problems. And now when that, you that, eliminate those foods, how long does it take for your skin to clear up? You know, it varies per person. It's not going to be overnight, and it depends on what you're working on. So for acne, for example, new acne, isn't going to be forming, but of course it takes a while for the old acne to clear up and go away. So maybe a week, maybe a few months. This is more of a long-term thing. It's not just for one day I'm going to avoid the sugar so tomorrow I can have clear skin. It's, it's a long-time thing. And something I've noticed, because I I definitely notice that I'll break out if I eat sugar, it does take some time for the breakouts uh, to clear out of your skin, but it's quick to get them back. Like if I just have a little bit of it, then instantly I break out again. Yes, and that's sometimes how people can tell what they're eating, how that affects their skin, that they notice it right away. Other times if you eat a certain food, like maybe maybe Jeannie, I'm just saying as an example, maybe you eat sugar and you don't notice acne developing until a week later. And then it's hard for you to make that connection. Or other people, sometimes it's, it's a different issue and not the acne, but it's a rash. Absolutely. I just wanted to share this story that I heard just a few hours ago. It's one of the clients who comes here and she was telling me that her brother is a physician and surgeon on a military base. And I'm not sure where that was. I think it's up north somewhere, maybe even up in Alaska and works with a bunch of other physicians and surgeons. And they had listened to the radio show, The Gluten 101, and they had decided they were really not into any of this with, um, you know, eating healthy and all of that, but decided, why don't we get gluten and grains out of the diet and sugar? And they really, really upped their fat intake. And um, so this is a bunch of physicians and surgeons on a military base. And she said that they are feeling so good and that what they notice is that they're never, ever hungry and that they just have so much more energy. And so I just thought I would share that. Just That's a little tiny bit of a different issue here, but we're talking about getting sugar and refined carbohydrates out of the diet. And I think that so many people panic when they hear what do you mean no more sugar and it's kind of like you end up building your life around these these sugar things that people eat you know i just need the sugar in my coffee or i need that muffin or it's that toast that i have with breakfast or pasta is my favorite thing or bread and it's all of these things that um, people sometimes don't realize you build your entire life around these foods and once you just take that step which is actually easier than most people think and just just remove those foods from your diet, but you really have to increase your fat intake. You'll be 
amazed at how much better you feel. And today's topic is skin. So, you know, you're going to see that your skin, if you have anything goofy with your skin, you might see that that improves. But the energy level and the lack of cravings is what so many people just appreciate when they move the sugar and refined carbohydrates out of their diet. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And a big reason for that is that they might be experiencing more stable blood sugar after retur- removing these things out of their body. Because any time that you eat refined carbohydrates or just too many carbohydrates in general, so that would be when you eat grains or even the whole grains and bread and fruit and sugar, honey, agave, any of those carbohydrates you have a rapid rise in blood sugar, and then you have this surge of the hormone insulin. So insulin's job is to help re-level off your blood sugar or return it back to a normal level. Well, Lucy, you were talking about the sprouted grains because we have a lot of people that say, well, I eat the Ezekiel bread or the sprouted grain bread, which, you know, you look at it and it looks like the healthiest thing in the universe. And, you know, compared to a lot of foods, it is actually a healthy food compared to a lot. But um, we're finding out that the sprouted grains actually contain even more lectins. And that was um, something we had talked about in the past, but those lectins creating all kinds of trouble in the body. So again, we just really encourage people to actually just move all of the grains out of your diet, at least for a period of time, like try it for six months or a year and see what your health is like and what you feel like. And then you can make different decisions at that time. But don't just think that because it's a sprouted grain that that's going to be in a different category. Now, just eating a sprouted, um, certain of those sprouted, um, like sprouts, alfalfa sprouts oh, and yep. those, that's the green a different. Ones, the, that's different. The leafy it, ones, yep. That, that, right, Lucy, that's different. So those kinds of sprouts are going to be great to eat. And there's some of those other ones, broccoli sprouts and um, radish sprouts, was it, yeah. Madeline? You like some of those. Yeah, those ones are nice and spicy. Yeah, now those are sprouts, and that's going to be great to eat those. Just eat them on their own or put them in salads. But we're talking about the sprouted grain breads. Mm-hmm. Those would be in this category that Lucy's talking about, Get moving those out of your diet. Yeah, yep. Those just have too many carbohydrates. And then like Jeannie said, they also have more of the lactins. And lactins, we've talked about those when we've talked about soaking nuts. Well, when you soak nuts and seeds, you can you can start to remove and decrease these lectins. Lectins are just a chemical compound that's in these plant foods. But with sprouted bread, you can't remove them. And actually the sprouting process increases them and lectins irritate your gut lining. So now you're getting the carbohydrates that's going to raise your insulin levels and that increases inflammation in your body, but then you're also causing harm to your digestive system and that causes inflammation, even more of that inflammation and also a higher likelihood for food sensitivities. So, and that's another reason why people have skin problems, eating foods that they're sensitive to. Now, most of you are probably familiar with these normal signs of inflammation. You've, you've sprained your ankle or you cut your finger and you have pain and redness and swelling. Well, when we talk about inflammation inside your body, like too much 
insulin causes that inflammation in your blood vessels or the inflammation in your intestinal tract. That's what's happening inside, but then it can be mirrored out to your skin. And that shows up as that redness again or the rashes or it creates problems where acne can now develop. It can attract bacteria to your cells and to your uh, pores and cause that acne. Now, it looks like it's time for a break. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about blood sugar and skin. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly, but instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy along with Madeline and Jeannie. And let's continue our discussion about sugar and grains and how they can lead to skin problems. So we were talking about how excess inflammation can promote acne and it also can aggravate aging or it can increase your aging. Now there's another problem with excess sugar and excess insulin Eating sugar also creates a surge of what's called insulin-like growth factor, or IGF-1. And IGF-1 can promote an excess of testosterone. So you want testosterone in your body, but when you have this IGF-1 that comes from that excess sugar, then you have too much testosterone in your body. And this can especially be problematic in women. But for anybody... Excess testosterone can cause your pores to secrete this greasy substance. It's called sebum. It's not a very pretty word, but it's this greasy substance that attracts acne-promoting bacteria. So you think, oh, my skin is greasy. 
bacteria is what causes this um, acne. So now we should probably take antibiotics to kill that bacteria, right? Well, you know, and the other thing I think people might do is they think, mm-hmm. well, I have such greasy skin. So I let's dry eat- it out. Well, dry it out, but also I think I'll eat uh, a non-fat diet. Don't yeah. eat fat anymore. And so if you're not going to eat fat, then the default is that you're going to be eating more sugar and carbs and it ends up making it worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so then we see here that even using something topically to decrease that greasiness or you're trying to manipulate your diet, adding more sugars is going to make the problem worse. Now, women with PCOS are prone to acne. So PCOS, P-C-O-S, that stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And PCOS refers to a syndrome where multiple cysts are found on the ovaries of women, and they also experience a variety of other problems. So they might experience a lack of ovulation or menstrual irregularities, excess facial hair, male pattern baldness. They're usually overweight or even obese, and they usually experience acne. And by far the biggest contributor to PCOS is poor diet. So there's the testosterone levels that are going to be rising, and that leads to the PCOS, but it's also the rise of the insulin levels. And women, especially young women who have PCOS, tend to eat far too much sugar and refined carbohydrates, like bread, sugar, sugar, like candy and pop. And that's going to lead to them experiencing insulin resistance and then eventually to full-blown type 2 diabetes. So we can see a pattern here that high sugar intake also causes the high insulin levels, and then those high insulin levels can cause inappropriately high testosterone levels. And when you have too high of testosterone levels, that's going to cause acne as well as rough or dry skin, excess facial hair, or kind of a sallow or um, pale, sickly-looking skin. Now, sugar also contributes to aging. So there's the inflammation caused by sugar that can lead to aging, but it also creates what are called ages. Kind of funny, we're talking about aging, and there's these things called ages. It stands for advanced glycation end products. And this is just a natural process that's going to be occurring in your body. So ages are always developed, and ages are developed during glycation. And this is where sugar in your bloodstream attaches to proteins and then it forms these harmful new molecules, these these ages. Um, So it is normal that this happens, but the more sugar you eat, the more ages your body develops and these harmful chemicals are going to be floating around. The ages create more and more damage to the body as they accumulate And they're especially damaging to proteins in your body. So that would be proteins in your eyes, and that leads to cataracts, or in your collagen. And last week we talked all about collagen. Collagen is found in your joints as well as your skin. 
Yeah, so it's this is a very interesting topic, these ages or advanced glycation endpoints, because it's your blood sugar, that the blood sugar is moving around in your bloodstream, and it actually goes to these various organs. Mm-hmm. As Lucy just mentioned, it goes to your eyes, and there's proteins in your eye in specific places, and then it complexes. The sugar and the protein forms a complex, or that sugar goes to your joints with the collagen, and in the collagen, there are proteins. And then that sugar and protein form a complex. And it does that also in your kidneys. It forms those complexes. It also does that in your capillaries. And so if you think of that, um, the problems that diabetics have with blindness, kidney trouble, and peripheral neuropathy, and sometimes even to the point of amputation, this is because of these advanced glycation endpoints or ages. And so this isn't just only something aesthetic talking about, well, you're just going to look old because you have wrinkles. It's actually uh, pretty severely aging your body from the inside. And so if you're somebody that's experiencing any of these things, or you want to look ahead in your life and say, hey, I'm younger and I don't want these things to happen, you would want to think, you know, sugar plays a major, major, major role on creating these protein sugar complexes in many different parts of the body. And if anybody is interested in aging slower, then one of the best things that you can do is actually decrease your sugar. Decrease your sugar or eliminate it completely for your intake and keep your blood sugar in a very, very low and a stable zone. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And these ages can also leave your skin more vulnerable to sun damage. So that would be cancer. Eating sugar, another reason that eating sugar would lead to skin cancer. And how this happen is, happens is that the ages deactivate your body's natural antioxidants. The antioxidants are what protect your skin from um, oxidation or damage. And then it leaves your collagen and the skin, in, the collagen in your skin available for that oxidative damage. And then you just get more wrinkles. Yep. Absolutely. More and wrinkles and sagging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting point because thinking about going out into the sun and that there, I think that most people believe that the sun is bad and that you should really avoid it at all costs, stay out of the sun. And if you're going to be in it, then you need to get sunscreen all over your body. And um, my husband and I go to the local pool here and it's... Um, to me, it's it's a big pollution zone because there are parents that are spraying the sunscreen all over their kids and their face and everywhere else. And that sunscreen is blown all over the place and they're all doing it. And so everybody's breathing the sunscreen in. And I think that we need to just step back a little bit and think that what human physiology is and were, were we as human beings made to not have sun on our skin. And what Lucy was just pointing out here is that if you're going to eat a lot of sugar and then that damages the antioxidants, your skin is going to actually react quite poorly to sun exposure. So imagine a different scenario where not only are you not eating sugar, but you're eating foods that are super high in antioxidants, or maybe you're even taking antioxidant supplements your skin is going to react completely different to the sun as somebody else's skin. 
And in addition to that, I think most people have heard about vitamin D in the news in the last five to 10 years, in that people really are low in vitamin D, like severely, severely low in vitamin D levels. And one of the places where you get vitamin D is from being out in the sun. And that sun hits your skin and it, it uh, works with cholesterol, another very important part of your body, in order to manufacture vitamin D. And then vitamin D has all kinds of anti-immune effects where it helps you actually to not get cancer and it helps your whole immune system. And so if we think we back up a little bit and think, you know, we actually want to have higher vitamin D levels that maybe that's from supplements and maybe some of that is from reasonable sun exposure and we're not talking about people going out and getting sunburned, but reasonable sun exposure and then eating a diet that is devoid of sugar and these refined carbohydrates and instead it's a diet that is full of all the colors of the vegetables and the fruits getting all of those phytonutrients and antioxidants um, it, that that's going to be a completely different person out in the sun so again we hope that people are thinking about kind of backing up and looking just at human beings and where we came from and how our physiology actually works and is it wise to take a bottle of that spray and spray it around and then breathe that in and then you end up with this white pasty skin that never ever ever has any sun on it and that's what I actually see at the pool is that these these children don't have any opportunity to have any tan on mm -hmm. them. And you can imagine their vitamin D levels are probably not very high. And um, so, of course, we're not talking about sun burning. And if you need to use a sunscreen, put it on after you've gotten some sun exposure, some reasonable sun exposure, and consider getting the kind that, you know what, it'll be a little bit more effort for you to rub it in. But you know what, that's movement for your body to actually have to rub lotion in instead of spray something that really pollutes the air for for the person you're spraying and everybody else around you mm -hmm. yeah you know my entire life growing up I didn't eat um, a very good diet and I was a very pale child and I always had to wear sunscreen and I would burn easily and I never could get tan like ever and as soon as I started to clean up my diet and especially when I removed gluten and sugar from my diet that summer, I got so tan, I couldn't even believe it. Like, tanner than anybody should even be tan. But since then, I've been able to tan. I've been able to go out in the sun without wearing sunscreen. And it's been, like, I, like I have just totally different skin. Yeah, you do. You, you're mm -hmm. not even the same person with your skin. And Madeline really was a person that had, like, the white pasty skin without even a speck of any tan on it. And another mm -hmm. part of that, Madeline, that might have been played played some a role for you is eating better fats. Yeah, and improving um, getting the coconut oil and pasture butter and plenty of good fats, and then eliminating any of those inflammatory fats. Mm -hmm. So that's a great example of how what you're eating and what your lifestyle is, is completely makes a difference in what your skin looks like. You might think it's all genetics, but people I think are real surprised to see that, um, you know, it depends on how your genes are expressed and what you're actually doing and what your choices are in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this can, like, you might be thinking, well, I, I'm pale, but I'm a redheaded person, or you hear of redheaded people being some of the most pale, prone to burning people, and 
I've known people who, same thing, they don't eat the sugar, they're eating the good fats, and they are able to tan really well, and they don't burn at all. And when we're talking about the fats, like you might remember from a past show when we talk about how fats make up your cell membranes, and when you eat those damaged inflammatory fats, your cell membranes are going to be really dysfunctional and then easily damaged by the sun. Or anything really, any any damage is going to happen, and that's what burning is. And then the primary structure of your cells are the omega threes and the saturated fats. So getting enough of those is going to create a really strong functional cell. And and you're talking about avoiding things like corn oil and soybean oil and canola yep. oil. And those are such common oils when you go out to restaurants. Those are kind of like the popular oils that those places will use. So you have to kind of watch out for those. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Even conventionally raised meats like corn-fed cows or fried foods and then roasted nuts that's a common source of damaged fats that most people would never think of as a damaged fat. So instead, we want to eat the olive oil uh, to get the omega-3s, eating some fish, and then taking some omega-3 supplements, and then getting... The fish oil. Yep, the fish oil. And people have found that people with skin disorders frequently have low levels of omega-3 fatty acids. So mm-hmm. studies even show that the lack of the omega-3 fatty acids is a common reason that people would have skin problems. And people find that when they improve their fats, they reduce their need for body lotion mm-hmm. and um, either reduce it all the way down to where they don't need any at all, or if they need some, people will often just use something like coconut oil. And speaking mm-hmm. of that, it's really important what you put on your skin because we've been kind of talking about your skin quality and that, and we weren't really uh, bringing up yet about if you put lotions or we talked about the sunscreens, but anything that you put on your skin, it's actually going to go right inside of your body. And it's important to know that your skin is a really great delivery system and it's actually how certain um, maybe hormones are delivered across the skin and um, and and some other kinds of medications and things. It's a great delivery system. So be sure that if you are using lotions, you want to be checking that they don't have things like parabens. Anything that says paraben or any word that's like that, methylparaben or propylparaben. And the reason for that classification of substances is those are hormone disruptors, meaning that they just, and that's a hormone disruptor for men too. So don't just think this is for women's hormones. It disrupts hormones in every single person, even children. And so you want to avoid any kind of lotion or anything that you're putting on your skin that has those parabens in it because it upsets the hormones. And then um, phthalates, is that something, Lucy, that's in these things as well or not? Or is that more in plastics? No, those are found in a lot of products and they're not usually listed on labels. Um, They might be, if you ever see the word fragrance, like just generic fragrance, it might be hiding the word phthalates, phthalates, excuse me. So, mm-hmm. and that's another one that disrupts the hormones. Mm-hmm. You know, other ingredients 
that are harmful to you are actually found in sunscreens. Like I'll read off some of the, the names, they're big names like benzophenone and PABA. And these are common ingredients that actually help to generate free radicals. So free radicals are what creates that oxidation and the skin damage. So if you're, if you are using a sunscreen, you want to find one that that doesn't have some of those ingredients in it. Now, we just found one. I think it was on Dr. Mercola's website. So if anybody out there goes to that, you just type in mercola.com and products. He has a lot of products on there, and he's got a sunscreen that doesn't have those kinds of things in them. And I'm sure you can find some other places as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Now, now on, as we are on the topic of things that you put on your skin, something that's very commonly found in skin products, especially if you're trying to treat acne. So if it's an acne face wash or if it's an acne lotion, you'll see benzoyl peroxide. And benzoyl peroxide is actually an antibiotic. And taking antibiotics to help with acne um, might treat the symptoms but in the long run, it's going to cause more problems. And putting the antibiotics on your skin not only kills the bad bacteria that's found in the acne, but it's also killing all of the good bacteria that needs to be on your skin. And one of the biggest reasons that you don't want to be killing off all of your bacteria you need that good bacteria to be present in order to actually control the incoming bad bacteria. So let me just back up and say that when you have good bacteria in your gut and you have a good amount, um, a good population, that's going to actually crowd out the bad bacteria. So that would be bad bacteria that gets that gets in as you're breathing or when you're touching things or on your food. That bad bad bacteria is not going to be able to survive and it's going to die off. Now, when you take the antibiotics, that's going to kill off the bad bacteria, but also the good. And then when you get some bacteria from your food or when you're touching the doorknobs, that can start to take over and the good bacteria is crowded out. So to improve the good bacteria, that's when we would want to be eating the fermented foods and the cultured foods like kefir kefir and fermented vegetables and one of our favorite is the Tula's cocoa kefir drink Mm -hmm. that one is a good one sometimes taking probiotics is a good idea and um, so this is interesting so maybe like um, people parents who have kids their teenage kids have acne I mean anybody can have acne at any time but it seems to be pretty common in teenage kids that it sounds like it would be a real great idea to start cleaning up the diet and maybe having some good protein shakes in the morning that have some maybe even some blueberries in there and hide some cooked cauliflower in there and some great tasting protein and maybe even some strawberry kiwi dynamic greens that would be something to really and how about some coconut milk. Mm -hmm. That would be a great breakfast for a teenager. And for a lunch and for a dinner, any kinds of foods such as maybe lettuce wraps 
or it could be a salad, um, a chopped salad with a variety of different vegetables that are all chopped up, like maybe some purple cabbage chopped up in there and some romaine lettuce and beef or chicken. Um, It possibly could be some fish in there. And then for dinner, really kind of the same thing. Think of building the meal around a piece of meat, a piece of fish, or possibly even some eggs with lots of different vegetables that really got to go for the different different colors to get the different phytonutrients. And then plenty of good fats, avocados, the coconut milk, use olive oil, put pasture butter on the vegetables, any of that, um, and then include any sort of fermented vegetables or probiotics. And that teenager should start to see their acne not only clear up, but start to develop some really beautiful glowing skin from changing the diet and from improving the gut health. And And they can even eat the thin mints or the slender lemons to get more of that coconut oil in. You know, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Those are recipes that are on our blog, and Madeline mentioned those two, and there's actually a whole variety. And soon, we we just got another recipe. Lucy came up with this one. It's it's some cauliflower crackers. Mm, So cauliflower crackers, yep, and there's some good fats in there as well. And chia seeds, which are highly beneficial for people's gut health. Mm -hmm. And we really encourage people to go on that blog and check out those recipes and really start making those foods and um, anybody can get glowing skin so that same those same directions would go for a woman with polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS it's the same directions it's the same directions for a man in his 30s who has acne it's all the same directions to move those inflammatory sugars and grains out of the diet and start really really improving on the good fats and just a moderate amount of protein, and then lots of the different colors of the fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And all of those foods that you were talking about don't have the sugars or the grains in them, so that's going to prevent you from feeding the bad bacteria. And then your good bacteria can can thrive even if you're not necessarily um, eating the fermented foods. Now it's time for our second break. When we come back, we'll, we'll continue our discussion. Thank you. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, 
your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now back to the show. Hello, welcome back to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy along with Madeline and Jeannie. And let's talk about food sensitivities. So we've already talked about eating good fats and how that can promote skin health and then how avoiding sugar and grains can promote skin health. The next step for you to improve skin conditions is to find out what foods you may be reacting to. You know, this is a really good point because you could follow all those directions and eat that meal that I was just outlining with the shake and various foods in there and then find out that you actually react to something like raw almonds or you might be reacting to tomatoes. and Or to eggs, yeah. Or to eggs, absolutely. And these are all considered healthy foods and you would think, wow, I think I'm doing everything right. But there's this extra step that a lot of people need to go through that Lucy's talking about with the food sensitivities. Mm -hmm. And food sensitivities is different than allergies. So allergies would be something that's more life-threatening. You probably have to go seek some medical attention if you ate those foods. When you eat a food that you're sensitive to, it does create an immune response, but it's at a milder milder level than an allergy would be. But when you have that immune response, it can show up in all different ways, any different way. So you might eat a food that you're reacting to and you might get a migraine, or maybe you get really foggy thinking, or you get joint pain, um, or maybe the acne or the rashes get worse. You know what else is kind of interesting about that is that when you have those food sensitivities, they um, it it actually creates these um, um, kind of acids or these chemicals that are inflammatory in your body, and one of the main ones is called these um, lipopolysaccharides or LPS, and those can go to various parts of your body and cause all kinds of trouble. And that's not really the topic of our show today, but just to give you an example of when you have a food sensitivity that ends up creating these lipopolysaccharides, one of the things that that can do is actually make it so that you don't convert your your inactive thyroid hormone, which is the T4, to active T3. And so that might not make sense to a lot of people out there, but know that to have a healthy thyroid, your thyroid puts out a thyroid hormone, but it's inactive and it needs to be converted to the active T3. And if you're filled with these lipopolysaccharides that are traveling around in your bloodstream because you're dealing with food sensitivities and leaky gut, that can actually make it so you don't convert your thyroid to the active hormone. And so that's only one tiny example. These lipopolysaccharides actually act all over your body, including your brain. And so when we're talking know food sensitivities and the chemicals that are created and the acids and different um, molecules that are created it can actually create some pretty serious problems for people 
And so we just like to bring that up that you really take it serious about the food sensitivities. And we find that more and more people have these. And I don't think that we've actually found anybody that we work with, not even one person that doesn't have a food sensitivity. So the question isn't going to be if you have a food sensitivity, it's going to be, let's help you find out what your food sensitivities are. And then, you know, then you can really make great strides in improving your health. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's just another example of how you might think that your your reaction to a food that you're sensitive to is just kind of an aesthetic thing or you can just cover it up. Like maybe I'll just be tired for that day or the example from earlier that that woman who would eat gluten and then she'd just wear long sleeves. But then it's an example that it affects your organs and it, it, maybe it affects other parts of your body as well. Yeah, yeah, so for imagine me, if I have even like one piece of cheese, I'll start to get just a little bit of acne and I never have acne. So, you know, I've decided, you know, it's not that bad to have a tiny amount of acne, except for I know something must be going on inside of my gut. And that to me makes it so it's worth not eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. good that you find that out for yourself. So what would be foods that people would commonly react to? I'll, I'll list some of them off. So eggs, that's one that people commonly react to. The gluten and corn and sugar, those are common ones. Um, and really all grains and tomatoes and peppers and nuts and seeds, especially nuts, not as much the seeds. And what else? Dairy is a big one. And the reaction that you get from these foods could really be anything. So it could be digestive troubles or the skin troubles. Anxiety. Yep, mood changes. Maybe you actually notice that the day after you eat these foods, you're really angry and irritable, or you just can't stop crying at really nothing. We just had somebody here in the studio who was um, developing, she's a young person in her 20s, and she was developing an anxiety disorder and started to go into the doctor and get on anxiety medication and then thought that she was depressed. and And then she found out it was actually the eggs that were causing anxiety. And when she stopped eating the eggs, the entire problem just dropped off. I just talked to someone the day before also who says when she eats soy, I think it's soy, but a food that she reacts to, her PMS quadruples and she might not even be having her period at that time, but she experiences these extreme, extreme PMS symptoms and it can help, it can ruin relationships for her. So she definitely has a motivation to avoid these foods she's sensitive to. Yeah. And so how would you become sensitive to foods? Well, actually, let me just back up and say, how would you find out if you're sensitive to foods? Because most people walking around are going to say, no, I don't react to any foods. I'm fine eating whatever I, I'm going to eat. And usually and, they say, oh, I've been eating these foods for my whole life. I can't be allergic to it. Exactly. Yeah, and, that's, and that's exactly a clue. It's pretty much if you've been eating something a few times a day and every single day of your life, you can kind of guess that that's going to be a food that you're sensitive to. And it's usually the foods that are your favorite, like the dairy or the eggs, or maybe you just can't live without your tomatoes. So and for sure the bread. 
Yep, for sure that. So you would find out if you have food sensitivities by doing the elimination diet. And have we talked about that before on this oh, show? Yeah. We've talked about it before in various, various forms. Yeah. So listen to some of those other shows on gut health and you'll hear more about the details. But basically, you'd be avoiding this whole list of foods, the ones I less listed off, the tomatoes and the nuts and the eggs. You would avoid all of those foods for three weeks, and then you'd start testing them in. So one day, you'd test some tomatoes, and then you'd take them back out of your diet, and you'd see how you respond. And then you'd keep tomatoes out of your diet, but the next, in four days, so about a week later, you'd test, say, nuts, and then you see how you respond. And while you're avoiding those foods for three days, that's allowing your immune system to really die down and relax and settle down. So you're not experiencing any immune responses, at least that are related to these food sensitivities. So your immune system is nice and quiet. And then when you add these foods back in after those three weeks, your immune system is going to flare up greater than ever. And that's when you'll be able to tell if you have a reaction. And this would be something you probably would want to get some help and supervision with so that you don't waste your time and you do it correctly. And it's something that Lucy spends a lot of time working with clients on and it just turns out highly beneficial for people. It is, yes. And it sounds simple, but once you get into it, it gets a little more complex. And also, we don't want you feeling deprived. So it's easy to think, I'm going to eliminate all these foods and feel deprived, but it doesn't have to be that way at all. So it looks like we're run out of time. So thank you, everybody, for listening to Body Balance Talk. It's always fun. It is. We always love hearing your stories and your successes and your questions. I'm Lucy, and this was Madeline and Jeannie, and that's our show. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Join Jeannie, Lucy, and Madeline for another edition of Body Balance Talk next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, listen to yourself and make it a healthy life ahead.